announcements earlier, but I was just too excited. So I'm going to announce them. The first thing is prayer week. So January 29th through February 2nd, that morning, we're going to find ourselves in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where it says pray without ceasing. But I don't want to just show up on Sunday morning, talk about pray without ceasing, and then go, good luck, see ya. I want to give y'all an opportunity to be able to do that throughout the week. So that night we'll have a worship night. And then every night that week through Thursday night from five to eight, you can come. You can come for 10 minutes. You can come for an hour. You can come three the whole time if you want. But each night there'll be a different focus. And I would really encourage you, you know, we make time for things that are way less important than prayer all the time. So I would encourage you to set some time aside that week if you can come once, if you come every night, that'd be awesome. Maybe take some shifts with your spouse. If you're married, have kids, something like that. But just come. There'll be a different focus each night to just really help kind of supercharge our prayer life. And that's, that's what's happening. Um, and I, really, to, to me, less exciting, but maybe to a lot of you, more exciting. We have what, what's coming up called Saturday. So on Saturdays in February... From three to five, we're going to have an inflatable obstacle course and bouncy house and, and gym mats out. And if, if you want to come and bring your kids, you have to be present with your kids. That's very important. It's not free child care. Um, but, and just give them an opportunity to run around in, in the, you know, the, the, the kind of throes of winter where it's just really cold. And it's like, where are we going to go? Can't do anything. So that's an opportunity for your family, but more importantly, this is an opportunity for us to really bless our community. So here's the call to you. Invite, invite, invite people. Because I guarantee people would be way more comfortable showing up to that than they would if you invited them right here on Sunday morning. And perhaps people will come to know Christ through an event like this. And come and try to engage with people, talk to people, get to know some people. Good opportunity to get out and about in the middle of winter as well. So those are a couple exciting things coming up. Um, keep that in mind. We'll talk about them more as we get closer. All right. First Thessalonians 5. Uh, I want to read, I want to kind of recap last week. So we did verses 1 through 3 last week, and we're going to do 4 through 11 today. But I want to read verses 1 through 4. And what I want you to notice is the, the they's and the you's. So every time Paul is addressing the they's, he's talking about unbelievers, okay? In this section anyway. And every time he says you, he's talking to the Thessalonians, which means he's talking to believers. And it's going to be really important today. So let's start in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Verse 4, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. Notice here, just in these first four verses, he transitions back and forth to talking to Thessalonian believers and talking to unbelievers. And today, in verses 4 through 11, it's all addressed to you. It's addressed to believers. So I'm going to address everyone here today like you are a believer. However, do not be fooled. If you are not a follower of Christ or a believer, like it says in verses 1 through 3, the day of the Lord will be terrible for you. 
and you will not escape. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to hopefully put a healthy fear within you to draw you to Christ. I beg you, if this is not you, if I'm, if I'm addressing you all morning this morning as a believer, and this isn't you, today could be the day of salvation. Repent of your sins and believe in Christ. Now, another thing before we really get in here that's essential to understand is that Paul is using a wordplay here throughout this section, calling the Thessalonian believers, and, and by extension us, children of the day. Now, Paul's been talking about the day of the Lord, and whenever he's talking about the day of the Lord, um, he, he's, he's talking about the day that Christ is coming back. So when he says that we are children of the day, it means we're children of the day of the Lord. We're children of the Lord. So day could be replaced with Lord. We're children of the Lord. Now, why, does he, why doesn't he just say that? Why doesn't he say children of the Lord? He does it to emphasize that even though we live in a sinful, dark, dark world, world. We are people of the future. We are people of the day. We are people of the Lord. So we need to start thinking. We need to start acting. We need to start living in line with who we are. Children of the Lord are destined for eternity. And we're destined for an eternity of day, an eternity of being with Christ. So we need to shine the light of Christ now in a dark, sinful world because that's who we are. We need to start living in the present as people of the future, as our series is called here. So back to verse 4. The first thing we see here in this section is that children of the day or children of the Lord won't be surprised by the day. Verse 4, but you brothers and sisters are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief says you're not in the dark. This means two different things simultaneously. First, it means that we are not unaware or in the dark that the day of the Lord is coming. If you are a follower of Christ, you, you are fully aware of that. You are living in light of that. This is, this is our hope, right? We're not unaware that the day of the Lord is coming, but it also means, secondly, that our identity is found in the light. It's found in Christ. It's found in Eternity with Christ in heaven, it's not found, our identity is not found in the dark, which is synonymous with sin, with hell. That is not where identity is found. It doesn't mean we don't sin, okay? That, that, that's simply not what defines us anymore. Our sin is forgiven, it's completely taken care of by Christ and what he did on the cross and our whole identity and our whole life is now wrapped up in Jesus. He is our joy, not sin. So the day of the Lord will be unpredictable, like we saw last week, absolutely, but it, it will not be unexpected or surprising for children of the day. I think of it um, like this in my life. So I'm always looking forward to the first 60 degree day in the spring. Why? Because I have a rule that I will not ride my bike outside until it's 60 degrees or warmer because I'm kind of a wimp. Um, so that's just, that's just where I'm at. But I love riding my bike. So I'm always looking forward on the 10-day forecast. Sometimes even extended out. What's the 30-day? Although that's super unreliable. But you, you look out there and I'm like, I, get, I get pumped. I'm like, oh, I see a 60-degree day. I'm going to get to ride my bike. But in the meantime, I prepare. 
I bring my bike into the shop for a tune-up. I get some, some accessories that I probably don't need for my bike. Um, I, I maybe even register for a race, or there might even be some crazy people in our church that will talk to me about uh, riding them an obnoxious amount of miles in, in one day or something, and we'll set up a date to do that. Um, not that that's happened before. Uh, but I get excited about it. I'm preparing for it, right? See, this is what it is like. We have no idea when Christ will come back, but we're excited about it. We're expecting it, right? We're preparing for it. And it says it won't surprise us like a thief. Remember verse 2, it says that the day of the Lord will come at an unpredictable time like a thief breaking into a house. But unlike a thief breaking in, for us, it's not going to be bad news. That's what he's saying in verse 4. For this day to surprise you like a thief. It's not going to surprise you like a thief. It's going to be more like um, you like entered a sweepstakes to be able to uh, hang out with uh, one of your favorite famous people, right? You just get a day where they're just going to show up at your house and you're just going to hang for the day, right? So um, it, it'd be more like that, that famous person showing up and you, you get excited about it and, and, and you, you want this to happen. You're not, you're not surprised by it. You knew it was going to happen. And when it happens, it's incredible when they finally show up. Yes, Travis Kelsey is here, right? Or whoever it is, you know, in, in, that you have in your head. But it's not going to surprise you like a thief. It's going to be amazing. So children of the day won't be surprised by the day. Next, we see in verse 5 that children of the day know who they are, and they know whose they are. Verse 5, it says, For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So now he really gets into this wordplay here. We're children of the day. This means that we know whose we are. We are the Lord's. We are children of the Lord. Our whole identity, our whole life is built around the sure hope of what's to come. We will be with Jesus forever in eternal rest, peace, and joy because we are his children. We don't belong to the night, it says. That means that we don't belong to the devil. You know those shirts that say property of whatever, property of Iowa State, whatever, you know those shirts that property of? It's like for us, we're property of Jesus. We're property of heaven. We know whose we are. So when you hear doubts like this, does Jesus actually love you? When you hear doubts like, did, did Jesus actually save me? Is, is, is heaven real or is this all just made up? When you, when you hear just quit because things won't ever get better, when you hear you're worthless, you're unlovable, remember whose you are. You are a child of God. You are a child of the day. You are, and this was secured by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it was secured by his resurrection from the dead, stamping the fact that we are his children. That will never change. We do not belong to the dark. We do not belong to the devil. So don't listen to him. As, as our youth and worship pastor, Josh, he told, told his children, hey, you know what? When you hear things like this, just tell the devil that you're a loser because he literally is going to lose, Right? Like, you can't say that to anyone else. I love that he was telling me this. You can't, by the way, kids, you can't say this to anyone else. But you can say this to the devil because he's literally going to lose. You are a loser. So don't, when you hear these doubts, when you hear these things that are not in line with who we are as children of God, 
She's like, you're a loser. Because he is. Because we're children of the day. But we're not just children of the day. We're children of the light, which means we not only know whose we are, we know, we know who we are now. We are not simply children of Christ, who is light in himself, although that's true. Our whole identity, though, our whole existence, our whole life is now all about light. It's all about Christ. So think about the nature of light with me. So light does lots of different things. Light reveals. It reveals what was there all along when it was dark. Light repels. It repels darkness. Light cannot coexist with darkness. And then it warms. The sun brings literal life to the earth and warmth to the air. And in the same way, the light, Christ, is now our whole identity. He is our identity. We embrace Christ revealing himself, revealing the truth to us through his word, his good commands, and we eagerly accept everything that Jesus has revealed to us through his word. We accept his revealing work. We, we embrace Christ's repelling work. He repels sin patterns in our lives and repels addictions in our lives, and we humbly let Jesus have and deal with even our most cherished sins. And we embrace Christ's warming work. He warms our hearts with his love. We welcome and invite his love and encouragement and hope and peace and joy. So is your whole identity found in Christ? You know, we introduce ourselves often by our occupation, right? We go, hi, I'm Pastor Matt, or hi, I'm whoever, you know? Uh, or we often talk about ourselves, and the first things we say is one of the first things we say to people when we meet them is, "Oh, I'm I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm single." But but our most fundamental core identity is this: we are a child of God. The other day, I just took a quick lunch break. I was working on some stuff. I was actually working on this message. And I took a quick lunch break, like five minutes, just mow down a sandwich and chips, and my mind just randomly started going through a situation that happened years and years ago. And I felt in this situation years ago pretty wrongfully accused, and I was even yelled at. And I started then to live in a lot of regret for some of my responses in that moment as well. And God grabbed a hold of me. And I realized, you know what? No, I am a child of God. All of this was dealt with. This situation that I'm telling you was all dealt with and forgiven, both with these people and before God. And we moved on. So I told myself, Matt, that's not who you are. You're not the terrible things they called you, and you're not the sum total of your mistakes in your response to those things. You are forgiven. You are loved by Christ. Move on. Now, I don't always catch myself and do that, but God, by his grace, gave me the strength to do that, and that's what it means to live as a child of God, to really live in the light, to live in our identity. As the great theologian and rapper Lecrae said in his song, Identity, I'm not the shoes I wear. I'm not the clothes that I buy. I'm not the house I live in. I'm not the car I drive. I'm not the job I work. 
You can't define my worth by nothing on God's green earth. My identity is found in Christ. May your identity always be found in Christ. We are children of the day, which means we know who we are and we know whose we are. Next, we see in verses 6 through 8, the children of the day or children of the Lord are alert. Verse 6, So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. Verse 6, right away, it says, So then, so he's referring to everything he said, because of who you are and because of whose you are as children of the day, children of the light, live like this. He's saying that identity determines and drives activity. You know, we don't just do things. You, what causes you to do the things you do is your identity. So he says, be self-controlled. Let your identity in Christ lead you to be self-controlled. And he said this, says this twice in here, self-controlled. This is the essential ingredient to living awake or living alert. Now in verse 7, he's not addressing drunkenness, although he does do that in other passages in the Bible. This is simply a metaphor. And the point is that we need to be self-controlled. Leon Morris points out that Paul is saying that Christians must live temperately, avoiding excess of all kinds. They must live balanced lives. I think he puts that really well. Self-control means that we don't let the good gifts that God has given us become God in our hearts and in our minds. Now, why would our identity as children of the day or children of the Lord drive us to live a self-controlled, void of excess lifestyle? Well, David said it, David said it best in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. God is enough for us. I don't need other gods because he is enough. He is my shepherd. He gives me everything that I need. So because you are a child of God, we need to live like we are children of God. And not like we're children of politics or children, this is going to sound kind of weird, but children of our kids or children of our spouse or our friends. Not like we're children of approval from others or children of control or children of sexual pleasure. We, we, we're not children of any of that. We're children of God. So if someone watched a replay of your whole life this past week, what would they conclude was most important to you? Jesus or something or someone else? You see, our identity drives our activity. Jesus teaches almost the exact same thing about the day of the Lord in Luke chapter 21, verses 34 to 36. And he says, be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing, drunkenness, and worries of life, or that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth, but be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is just 
saying exactly what Paul is saying here in 1 Thessalonians 5, that children of the day, children of the Lord are alert. They're self-controlled. They're void of excess. Next, we see at the end of verse 8 that children of the day or children of the Lord put on their armor. End of verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. I love this. I love verse 8 because it's so gracious and helpful. And this is God. He, he doesn't just tell us, hey, be self-controlled, good luck. He says, no, 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 no. Here's how you can be self-controlled. Here's how you can really live in your true identity. You can do it by protecting yourself from the dark, from the night, from, the sin, from sin, from the devil with this armor. And he says the armor of faith and of love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. Now, it's interesting, this, this, the, the original language, the Greek, this word armor, the Greek word is actually thorax, okay? Thorax is this part of your body. Other translations, instead of armor, says breastplate, okay? So what does a breastplate do? It protect, protects our absolutely vital organs, amongst other things, our heart and our lungs, so in the same way, faith or trust in God and love for God and for others actually protects our hearts from the enemies of worry, doubt, discouragement, and so forth. The motivation and drive to live a self-controlled, God-is-enough lifestyle comes from a regular blood flow and oxygen flow of faith and of love. And then he says, put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Now, a helmet protects your head, protects your mind. So as we wait for the day of the Lord, we can easily let our minds wander and be drawn to other things. But the living, sure hope of the day of the Lord recenters our mind on what is true. Now, many people these days talk about how they need to recenter themselves, whatever the heck that means, right? God gives us something tangible to recenter on, not just some vague recentering on nothingness. We, re we remember our sure hope in Christ, which recenters our mind on what's true. And it gets our mind off of, uh, of things that only our eyes can see. See, here's, here's the problem. We, our eyes deceive us. This is not all there is. So we need to put on the helmet of the hope of salvation to remind us that this is not all there is. Our hope is found in heaven. Our hope is found in Christ. So when it says here to put on these things, faith, love, hope, putting on spiritual armor is all about living in and remembering who we are, that we are children of the Lord. Now, I want to give you 
I want to give you kind of a practical, like, how-to. What does this mean? Because there's lots of passages in the Bible that, that are from Paul. You know, Ephesians 6 being one of the most prominent, but where he talks about putting on your armor. And it's like, that's, that's a cool thought. You know, like, we're going to war. We're putting this on. But what does that look like? What does that mean? So I just want to suggest to you one way to do this. And it'd be simply by saying to God, when you're, when you're feeling off, when you're feeling lost, when you're feeling hurt, when you're feeling confused, when you're feeling overwhelmed, you just say to God, hey, I trust you, Jesus. See, that's faith. I trust you, Jesus. Saying to God, I love you, Jesus. There's love. I'm putting on love. I'm putting on faith. I trust you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And then how do you put on hope? You go say something like, I I trust and love that you will return. I trust and love that you will return. See, that's hope. So I I want us to just say this together. So just repeat after me. I trust you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I trust and love that you will return. Amen. Say this out loud often. Put on your armor. Recenter on Jesus. Next, we see that children of the day or children of the Lord cling to the gospel. Look at verses 9 and 10. It says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. I love these verses. This this is one of the most comprehensive yet succinct sharing of the gospel message in all of scripture. Why this is not included in little gospel pamphlets, I don't know. It should be. These are incredible verses. I want you to see the components of the gospel, the good news that are included here. So first it says, for God. I love that it starts there. Salvation starts with God. He is the one that's bringing this about. And what does God do? God didn't appoint us to wrath. That's what we deserved. See, we can use that as a jumping off point as we're thinking about the gospel and sharing the gospel to people. What we deserve because God is a holy God and because of our sin, we deserve the wrath of God. But guess what? We don't get it because of Christ. It says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It happened through Jesus who did what? Verse 10, who died for us. He went to a cross and died a brutal death so that whether we are awake or asleep, that just means whether we are alive or we are dead, we're gonna live together with Christ. So whether you are here on earth, you get a relationship with Christ right now. And when you die, you'll get an even better relationship with him then. So whether we are alive or dead, we're gonna live together with him. And I love that because John three sixteen, amazing, right? But it, it, the focus is on eternal life. That's cool. But I love that it ends right here, that we may live together with him. See, this has to do with the relationship. Not just that we get to live forever. Why would you want to live together? Because we're going to be in relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords forever. Cling to 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10 this week. Memorize it. it. It will help you live out your identity as a child of the day, as a child of the Lord. Because children of the day cling to the gospel. And lastly, children of the day encourage other children of the day. Verse 11, 
Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Apparently, the Thessalonians were already excelling at this. They were already encouraging each other and building each other up. So let's talk about what these things mean. Encouragement in a word just means to comfort someone. Comfort. You give someone courage. You put wind in their sails. You help them experience the tender love of God. Encouragement is comfort. And building up is help in a word. You, you help other people become more like Christ. You use your own talents and gifts to help other people grow. Children of the day thrive off of encouragement for one another. Why? Because it's an instant reminder of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is coming. There is hope. And when we encourage each other, it's like we're giving each other morsels or foretastes of heaven. So one of the things that I especially enjoy, enjoy around the holidays are little mini-sized candy bars, okay? Um, and what I love about them is it keeps me from eating a king size, right? Because that's what we all actually want to do. Um, but you just get the little minis, and, um, and as we, here's what happens. You eat it, and you're like, man, that was good. It was the real thing, right? But, you know, it's not as great as the king size, but it gives you a little taste. You know what I'm talking about? So when we encourage each other, we are actually handing out little tastes of heaven. So think about it. If you encourage someone, I can't just keep going to everyone, so sorry. Some people, my wife can have two. They were stuck together. Um, but, oh, yeah, yeah. Here. So. But as you, as you encourage one another, think about this. I want you to have this in your head of me going around like a fool handing out candy, all right? So when you do this, you're actually bringing foretaste of heaven. I used to think that I'm not much of an encourager. I used to think, yeah, that's not my gift, so I'm not going to do it much. Then the Lord convicted me and said, this is all over scripture. Why would you not be encouraging people? No? All right. Why would you not be encouraging people? So I went on a missions trip, and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it my, my job to just encourage people. I think I'm, I'm getting throwy. We're just going to start throwing them. Um, you probably want to be a little less sloppy about your encouragement than this, but I used to think this isn't me. I don't, I don't encourage, you know, and then I went on a mission trip and I did it and I started doing it more and more. And I've actually, I've, people have tried to accuse me of having this spiritual gift. Don't be fooled. I, I still don't, but I've been more intentional. You can grow in encouragement. You don't need a spiritual gift of encouragement. <laughs> Look alive. Uh, so you can do this. Everyone wants some. All right. Here we go. Why wouldn't you? It's coming out. Here we go. Corner pocket. All right. Here we go. If you want some, I'll leave it on stage and you can come get some afterwards. Although, I did promise my kids some, so don't take that. Um, <laughs> but there they are. But... In all seriousness, let us be known as a people. Let us be known as a church. That's so encouraging. Let us be known as a people that, that hands out many-sized slices of heaven through our encouragement and building up of one another. Look for ways to do this this week. And as you do this more and more, we'll actually become more and more assured 
of who we are and whose we are as children of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that we would remember this, that we would remember these, these funny little things, man handing out candy bars, but it would actually produce action, that we would walk around and encourage one another and build each other up. And we'd grow in that. And as we do that, it would remind each other, this isn't all there is. We do have a living, sure hope. One day, everything will be made right, but it's not yet. And so day to day can be very hard here on earth. So I pray that on those days you would send people to bring that encouragement and hope that we need and that we would be that for others on their, in their day of need and their hour of darkness as well. So thank you, Lord, for making us your children. I pray that our identity would drive our activity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.